भद्रम कर्णे भीसृणुयाम देवा भद्रम पश्येक्षभ स्थिरंगगम सस्तनु व्यशेम देवितयु स्वस्ती न इंद्रो वृद्धस्रवा स्वस्ती न पूषा विश्ववेदा स्वस्तीर्णस्ताक्षरिष्टने स्वस्ति नो बृहस्पतिर्दा ओं शांति 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 मे बी हेयर विथ योर यस वॉट इज ऑस्पिशियस मे बी सी विथ योर आईज वॉट इज ऑस्पिशियस वाइल प्रेम विथ स्टडी लिम्स मे बी बेस्ट ऑफ वेलविंग ऑन अस मे पुशन द गॉड ऑफ द अर्थ हु इज ऑल नोइंग बेस्ट ऑफ वेलविंग ऑन अस मे गरूर द डिस्ट्रॉयर ऑफ इविल बेस्ट ऑफ वेलविंग ऑन अस मे बृहस्पति ऑल्सो बेस्ट ऑफ वेलविंग ऑन अस ओम शांति shanti shanti so in the last class we started our discussion on the thirds of two chapters <coughs> just as the first part and the second part constituted of two chapters the last the third part also constitutes of two chapters of which the first chapter we started in the last class and studied and studied the first two mantras interpreted by swami vivekananda the two birds of beautiful plumage inseparable companions they are sitting on the same tree one on the top one below and the bird which is below is it is eating the fruits of the tree some are sweet some are bitter and that makes it one moment uh, very happy and the next moment dejected so and then after some time he eats one of the fruit which is extremely bitter he is extremely depressed and now for the time being he stops eating the sweet fruits and the peter fruits and looks up and sees another bird which is just like him or the fruits it is just sitting silently equipoised in its own majesty and just looking at the lower bird so this lower bird gets attracted to this higher bird and it's for the timing stops eating the fruit and starts moving branch by branch towards the upper bird which is sitting on the topmost branches this bird this lower bird again forgets it again gets drawn towards the fruits it again starts eating the sweet fruits and the bitter fruits and again one of the bitter extremely bitter fruit makes it dejected extremely dejected and now it looks at the upper bird and see how majestic it is it's not in any way tempted to taste the fruits it's just witnessing sitting in his own majesty and now as this lower bird gets drawn and it approaches the higher the upper bird in proximity to the upper bird the more it goes near it finds as if its wings are being merged in the luminous wings of the upper bird and the more it moves towards it the more it finds that it is merging with the upper bird at last it merges with the upper bird and then it realizes that actually it, it was the lower bird was nothing but the reflection of the upper bird and by mistake thinking it to be in need of something extraneous was always testing the sweet fruits and the bitter fruits of life and now this bitter fruits their uh, importance is their significance is that yes as long as it is making us depressed it has no significance but when that utter depression at last opens up the spiritual channel in our life and we find a way out and we start approaching towards our the spiritual self i vishad is also yoga in the bhagavad gita that this dejection leads him ultimately to that upper bird which is his real self 
So the lower bird was but the reflection of that one above. So we are in reality one with the Lord, but the reflection makes us seem many, just as when the sun reflects on the million dewdrops, it seems as million tiny suns. So the reflection with our real nature, which is divine. And the universe itself can never be the limit of our satisfaction. The spiritual portal should open up so as to find the ultimate fulfillment in life. There's no other way. Nanya Bantha Vidyate Ayanaya. It's only by knowing the real self we can go beyond, which was actually stated in the first two mantras. Dvasuparana Sayuja Sakhaya Samanam Rikshang Parishashvajate Tayo Anya Pippala Swadu Atti Anashnan Anya They're always united, Sayuja. And they're known by the same name. That's why it's called their Sakhaya. And they closely cling to the same tree, Samanam Rikshang Parishashvajate. So one of them, Tayo Anya, one of them, is constantly eating the sweet and bitter fruits of that plant, Pippala Swadvati, in its own majesty, Abhichakashiti, just witnessing. That was the first mantra. And in the second mantra, we studied Samani Brikshe Purusho Magno, Anishaya Shochati Anyamisham Asya Mahimanam Iti Vita Shokaha. So after speaking of the allegory in the first mantra, in the second mantra, it is what is saying that sitting on the same tree. A tree is the body, but the individual soul, the Purusho, Nimogno, is as if drowned. He has drowned in the reflection of the psychophysical existence, Shochati, being worried by its impotence, Anishaya. And I'm not Ishwara. I'm just the, just like a straw, which is carried by the waves, sometimes on the top of the wave, sometimes I'm on the trough, as if I have no freedom. So that is what's the meaning of the word Anishaya. So, He's worried about his importance, that he finds that the life is as if blowing him off, carrying him away. He has no freedom. So, but when Yada, what's what the Yada? He beholds the other. Pashyati Anyam. So, the first, what is that Anyam? He's the Lord. And he's worshipped by all. That's why he's called Jushtam. The one who is worshipped by all is Jushtam. And why he's worshipped? Because of his glory. Asya Mahimanam. And once he sees him and he gets drawn towards him, and gets identified with him, he then becomes free from grief. So that's the two mantras which we studied in the last class. Now reiterate it again in the next mantra. So let's go to the third mantra. What it is saying? Yada Pashya, the third mantra of the first chapter of the third part of Mundam. Rukma Varnam Kartaram, Isham Purusham Brahmayonim, Tada Vidwan Punya Pape Vidhuya. Niranjana Paramam Samyam Upaiti. So Yada, when Pashya, the seer, what he sees, beholds the golden hued creator, Pashyate Rukma Varnam, the golden hued, Kartaram, the ultimate doer, the Purusha, the individual self, looks at the Supreme Self. He is the creator. It is he who is working through us. Is he really working through us? That we will come to the discussion because. He is not the karta. The self is beyond all attributes. He is neither the doer nor the enjoyer. At the same time, we as the individual soul, though we are deluded by thinking that notion, neither the individual soul nor the supreme self is the doer or the enjoyer. But why it has been mentioned that he is kartaram, that we will come to the discussion gradually. So when he sees the, the self-luminous self golden hued, the golden hue speaks of in away the luminescence of gold. So similarly, the, ulti, the, the real self, its luminous, luminosity 
can never be taken away because it is the essence of its, it is the essence of its nature because it is illuminating everything. So it is the ultimate source of illumination. So that golden hued creator, when we see him, yada pashya pashyate, when the seer, the individual self sees there as the source of luminosity of the entire universe. And he's the Lord, the Isham, the Purusha. He actually, it is not the sense of individuality, which I have. I think that I am an individual being, a discrete unit from the entire universe, separated from the entire universe. I'm a discretization. We understand it is he who is the core of each and every being. As in the Swamiji's commentary, we find just as the sun, when it reflects in the millions of dew drops, each of the dew drops reflects the same sun. The one who is the Lord of the universe, he's the Purusha. He's the inner core of our being. It is he who actually is the essence of our being. So that's why he's the Purusham, Brahmayonim. So he is the progenitor. He is the cause of Brahma. So the from, from where Brahma has originated. So he is the Yoni, the cause of Brahma, the cosmic mind from which the entire creation has emanated. So Tada Vidwan Punya Pape Vidhuya. If you can know him, once you realize him, Vidhuya means you're washed off. You're all the Punya, you're all the uh, good deeds, all the, all the results which you have accrued by the good deeds, the Punya. And Papa, all the evil, uh, all the bad results which I have accrued because of my evil. So the good and evil, both are washed away. Once you have seen that, they no more cling to you, neither the good nor the bad. As Swamiji used to say, the golden chain is also a chain. The iron chain is also a chain. Our punya may be like a golden chain, but it is a chain. Our papa may be like an unders. So we get rid of all those enchainments, all the chains, whether it's golden or iron, they fall off. We get rid of all the shackles of punya and papa. And then we come near anjana. Anjana means paint. The knee prefix is used, are washed off. Once you get rid of Papa Punya, for you, there is no taints. You become stainless. And what happens? You reach that ultimate equanimity by attaining that supreme reality. Paramam Samyam. That ultimate reality, when you reach, all the dualities resolves, falls off. You attain that ultimate unitary experience where all the polarities are reserved. That is the supreme reality where at last you get identified with. So now let us try to understand this mantra. Yada pashya pashyate rukma varnam kartara. So this is what karta. So neither the jivatma nor the paramatma is the karta. As we have discussed so many times, where the self is the ultimate source of illumination. The mind is jada. When the self comes in association with the mind, the mind becomes active. It appears to be active because of its association with the self. All the activities that emanates from that mind, from that cosmic mind, from our individual mind, is it looks like as if the mind is conscious, but it is not conscious. Just as that example which we give again and again, the IC chips of the computer, they're inert, they look inert. But the moment the current passes through them, the bias voltage passes through them, it as immediate of virtual reality projects out of it. So it, does it happen by it? Is it the doer? Is the IC chip is the doer? No. But is the current the doer? It is also not doing. Just by its association, this gets activated. But no one is actually the doer, nor the enjoyer. So neither the Jivatma, nor the Paramatma, that is Brahman, is the Karta. 
Now the question is then why Paramatma has been termed as the Karta? So here in Vedanta, there are some very nice way of understanding ideas. That they, the Vedanta resorts to two types of Lakshana, characteristics, that anything can be described by two types of Lakshana. One is Swarupa Lakshana and another is the Tatastha Lakshana. Swarupa Lakshana means what? In essence, the thing in essence, what it is. All the indications which uh, I can uh, find out by Tata means the bank, by seeing the thing which is on the bank to give it more clear, uh, this, uh, clear idea. Suppose a river is flowing just by the side, just very near to my house. The river is flowing, but I cannot see the river from my house. A guest came and I just mentioned, river. it's not visible. You say it's very near. And then you say, just see the tall tree, the tall tree, that river is just flowing by its side. The, river, the tree is just on the bank of that river, on the tata, on the bank. Tata means on the bank. So though the river is not visible, by seeing the tree, I can infer the presence of the river just near to it. Similarly, the self, the Swarupa Lakshana, as per the reality of the self is conscious self in respect to the mind and the creation. Because of that, this creation is possible. So from the Tatastha, from the bank, when I try to find out the significance of the self, the bank of the river of the self, by seeing that Tatastha, that what is in the bank, I can infer that there is the river there, the self is there. The self by itself can never be objectified because it is the ultimate subject. Then how can I be aware of the self? Just the way I become aware of light. Is light visible? No. If we have the idea that light is visible, I see light. No, we can never see light. When the light falls on an object, that object gets illumined. I see that on the light, the room gets lighted. It's not the room is getting lighted because of the light. The atmospheric particles on that, the light is dispersing, which gives us a feeling that the room is lighted. If there is no atmosphere, even when with the light, the room won't be lighted. You use a, when if there's no atmosphere, if you use the light with that, you can focus on something. Other portions will be dark. Only the object on which it is focused, you can see. It is not visible. It illumines the object on which it falls. So similarly, like the gravitation, can you see gravitation? It is felt only when we see a falling object. So tatastha, seeing the object, the falling object, I can infer about gravitation. Seeing something illumined, I can infer about light. Seeing something being attracted by an apparent piece of iron, I can infer it is a magnet. Though it looks like an iron, actually it is a magnet. So magnetism as just by seeing the air, this, uh, its effect, the thing's effect on something, I can infer. So ultimately that when we find that in this world, everything is working. In Buddhism, they say that it is like a bus without driver. There's so many nice story. Uh, just a few days back, I was reading a story that a Buddhist monk, he decided to meditate uh, where no disturbance should be there. So how to just meditate on a, in a solitary place? So he, he hit up on the middle of a river and anchored the boat there. And he thought, there no one can disturb me. He was meditating. And suddenly he felt that his boat has been is shaking. So it has been stuck by most probably another boat. And he was terribly angry. That who is that? That who can just without any reason come and hit my boat? And he looks back to find that it is actually an empty boat. It was not anchored. The wind in the wind, it just was, it just came flowing and it hit the boat of this Buddhist monk. And then the Buddhist one thought, on whom I'm angry? 
Can I be all these things are happening because of the what you say the working of the nature? There is no self behind it. But in Vedanta, we say that that ultimately you has to think of the self. This is the basic difference in Buddhism and in Vedanta. Uh, there's a nice way of understanding in Buddhism. They speak of alata. This alata prakaran. What's that? That when you are moving a fire, what you say? There's a, a torch, a fire torch. If you move circular ring, that circular ring is a delusion. It is not there. When I move the fire torch very fast, that ring appears, which is a delusion. And in Buddhism, they say that this ring, which is like this delusion, which happens because of the fast movement of the torch. Similarly, the matter by itself is moving. And behind that movement, somehow we delude, just the way we delude about that fire ring, alata is a fire ring, we delude about the self. And Swami Vivekananda very nicely is refuting this argument. It's a very strong argument, very strong argument. So I'm just saying it's true that we do delude that fire ring, which is not true. But who is deluding? The firing is not there, but someone is seeing it as a firing. The one who is being deluded by thinking it's a little argument that the idea of the self which we have is false. But that false idea of self, someone is witnessing. The one who is witnessing that false self is the real self. Uh, how can I find it out? You cannot find out. Just by tatastha, that as we find that some subject must, some to perceive an object, there must be a subject. So that's the idea of the tatastha lakshana. That this all the movements that are happening, we always have an idea that there must be a karta. If somehow it can be proven that I as an individual self is not the karta, then we, then we start inferring that someone else must be the karta by seeing the tatastha lakshana. And that way we infer through tatastha lakshana that the paramatma is the karta, but actually it is not the karta. But as for the tatastha, from our standpoint as a limited being, when we look, when we try to find out the nature of the self, then we designate it as the karta. So that's how the word kartaram, as for the tatastha lakshana is concerned, this word karta has been used for the ultimate self. It's a very nice example Sri Ramakrishna gives that actually Prakriti is doing everything because of Nod. It's, it is witnessing because as it is in proximity, the Purusha is in proximity of the Prakriti, the Prakriti becomes active. Purusha is just there to witness. So all the actions actually is Prakriti doing that also because of the Purusha. And what that example is giving that the housewife is active. So the lady of the house is very active with all the household works. And the master of the house is relaxing. He's having a hubbub, this hubble bubble, the hookah, have a smoking and relaxing. He's just relaxing. And now and then we will find that the housewife comes to report. He will come and report what all the progress, all the work progress to handle how much it has progressed to give a report she will come hurriedly she will report everything and this master without in, any interruption of that uh, having that hubble bubble will simply nod to giving his acknowledgement yeah yeah it's very good what has been done is good so he's not doing anything but because of him the prakriti is working so so as if he's a witness but because of that witness everything is being active so that's why he's the karta because just <clears throat> in that household example we find karta is doing nothing but we call him Karta because of his presence, the Prakritis, as being designated as the Karta, because of its presence, everything happens. But actually, he's not doing as such. So when that Karta is being realized, what is the nature of that Karta? He's an Isham. <clears throat> that as all activities are possible, because that's what Isham means, the Lord. The word Isham came from Ishdhatu. Ishwara came from Ishdhatu. That Ishdhatu speaks of rulership. The one who is the 
ruler, the ultimate uh, Lord, because of his mere presence, everything is possible. The ultimate Lord. And again, he's the Purusham. So as Brahman alone is the one who resides as a self in all beings, so after creating the will, he has entered. It is not that he created and then entered. Just like building the house, we entered the house. It is not like that. It is actually when I am making pot, the clay itself becomes the pot. It's not that after the pot is made, the clay enters. So it's the self which has become the everything. And as he's residing in each and every being, so that's why he's the Purusha. The word Purusha, again, etymologically means Puri Shayanat Iti Purusha, dwelling place. So in the one who is in the dwelling place, who is as if sleeping, residing in the dwelling place, is the Purusha, Puri Shayanat Iti Purusha. So as, as it is the Lord alone, who is the self in each and every being, the same sun, which is being reflected. So each and every reflection is like the Purusha, the reflected Brahman alone. So see, he alone is the Purusha. He alone is the one who resides as the self in all beings. Brahma Yonim. So he is again the, that the cause of Brahma. The Brahma has originated reality is beyond attributes. But because of ignorance, when it finds expression as the phenomenal existence, the first evolute is the cosmic mind. Just the way when we have a, when we have to build a building before the material comes, before uh, the works, which is nothing but our visualization, that all the creation happens twice. First, we envision it, we imagine it, and then in reality it happens. So this, all the things which is in the form of information in the cosmic mind, that's the idea of Brahma. He has originated from Brahman because of ignorance, appears as the cosmic mind, as Brahma. That's why. Brahman is being termed as Brahma Yonim. So when you have seen that, when you have realized the core, in the core of your being, as the self, which is beyond all attributes, then what happens? Tada Vidwan Punya Pape Vidhuya Niranjana. So then the twice seer, Tada Vidwan, the word Vidwan here is, doesn't mean the one who is intelligent with academic knowledge. The Vidwan means one who has realized. It is not that the one who after reading about the taste of mango has written volumes about the taste of mango. That's what we think as Vidwan. Real Vidwan is the one who has tested the mango. After hearing about the taste of mango, he was motivated to test himself and tested the mango. So such, that is the one who is Vidwan, the one who has realized the self. He becomes, he goes, he transcends Punni and Papa. He completely shakes off both the good and evil and he becomes stainless. How can itself that binds us. It is the notion of the karta, that I am the karta, that results in punya and papa. That all our actions don't bind us. Because when we think I am the karta, I am the doer, then the results we accrue as for the good, we have the good results, for the evils we have the bad results. So as one have realized the ultimate self to be the karta from his standpoint, from the standpoint of the standpoint of the phenomenal existence, I have realized him, I am not the doer. It is the Lord who is doing through me by his mere presence. It's not that he has planned to do something through me. By his mere presence, my, all this, this, the actions which is happening through my life, as per the mental modules, which, so you have lost the sense of karta and all the actions happens as per your state of life in whatever you're placed by neither seeking nor avoiding and without having the sense of karta. When we can do the actions that way, when you don't have the sense of karta, Naturally, the sense of bhukta also won't be there. It is from the sense of karta, when I am the doer, then only the question of experiencing comes. But when I do, that whatever I have done, I have not, as I am the doer, it is I who have to experience. The, then 
we are no more bothered about the results of the action. We are no more result oriented. We just do the action. We do the, do the actions perfectly. Why? Knowing it very well that in the present, in the whatever circumstance I am, whatever faculties with which my personality is constituted, they are working. Guna Guneshu Vartanta, as in Bhagavad Gita has been mentioned, they are working by its own to have in no way it is going to benefit me. I am not the experiencer. So this with the idea of the karta, when you when the idea of karta falls off, with that, the question of experiencing the result also fall off. And that's why, so when one gets rid of the notion of karta, one automatically gets rid of punya and papa. And once you become freed from punya and papa, you become niranjana, stainless. So that's the idea that when you see the ultimate, you know that you are the witness, you're just the witness, you're not the doer. So then all the so-called dualities falls off all the experience which is going through all those changes, transformations as per the actions, you are just witnessing. So when that happens, then what happens? It's not that all the duality stop for you. The life is flowing, but you are no more drenched by it. And that's how you get established in that equanimity. You are always serene. You are always equipoised. So that's why there's param samyam upaiti. In Brahman, all the polarities all the dualities in the form of good and evil, joy and suffering, they're all resolved. There's nothing called as Sri Ramakrishna in which one is reading the scripture. In the same sunlight, another person is counterfeiting the coins. Is counterfeiting coins. Is it the, uh, what you say that, does in any way the sun accrues the good result for reading scriptures or the evil result for counterfeiting the coin? No. It's, it's there just to give light. What we do with the light. So he's beyond all the good and evil. Similarly, the ultimate self, the one who gets established in that, identified with that. So all the good evil falls off from him. So he, joys and suffering, falls off from him. He is always uh, serene and equanimous. So he transcends all the duality. When one attains Brahman, one transcends all dualities and there attains the supreme equanimity. And thus, atom samyam upaiti. So he reaches the ultimate, this self and all the polarities, all the dualities they fall off. So that's the idea. So as we were indicating that what's the result of all this knowledge that we always go for the utility unless anything has a utility. Why should we interested to do that? So that why should we uh, culturing the knowledge of the, the core of our being the only because it do has it serves the ultimate utility. The ultimate purpose is served by it. We go beyond all suffering. No one wants suffering in life. We may say that I don't believe in God. Someone say I believe in God. And those who say I believe in God, the notions of God may be different. So there we never find any uh, point in which we all agree. But is there any point where we all agree? Yes, that's the only point. Whatever may be your profession, whatever may be your belief, no one wants suffering. Everyone wants happiness. Everyone wants uh, yoga. They say that the goal of life is Atyantika Dukkha Nivritti and Parama Sukha Prapti. The Dukkha, the suffering should fall off totally without leaving any trace and we should we all want to have supreme happiness uninterrupted happiness the happiness should be like to the other there is no interruption so that like that the happiness should be everyone wants that and that's the thing which this mantra is saying that once you realize the self what's the utility you reach that paramasamya all the papapunya the good and evil is washed off you become stainless pure and you attain that ultimate equanimity. That niranjana is a very important word in this sloka. 
as Swami Vivekananda used to say, that if all the scriptures is damaged, this, all the is destroyed, nothing remains. As he was, of course, in the West, so naturally he was quoting Jesus. It's not that it's only that sentence of Jesus which speaks of purity. Interesting. The, uh, the people of a country where whose background maximum of them were Christian. So how nicely say that if all the scriptures are destroyed, and if only one sentence of Jesus somehow remains, what is that? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's the only criteria. The first to the pure, that Niranjana speaks of that purity. When all the tarnishes is washed off in that clean mirror, then the God is visible. In the chitta becomes pure. As long as the mirror is not clean, the reflection cannot be clean. And if it is not uh, smooth, if its surface is rough, the reflection can never be perfect. So our only duty is to cleanse the mirror of mind, to make it without any distortions, to, to get rid of all its distortions. And how is it possible? By always uh, contemplating on the fact that I am not the karta, the Lord, who is the essence of my being, who is the ultimate purusha, sitting in the core of my being. It is he who is doing. It is because of his proximity, everything is happening. What happens? All the hankering for the reserves falls off. And with it, Papa Punya falls off. So it is not the action, but the desire for the results, which comes because of the sense that you are the karta, that we accrue the results of action. The moment the sense of karta has fallen off, you are no more bound by the, you become pure and immediately the purity results in that illumination. And what happens? You get established in that parama samya, that ultimate equanimity, where nothing can disturb you. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say in his last days when he was suffering from cancer, shorirtar dukkhajane, I, as I'm identified with the ultimate self, I'm always at bliss. Nothing can disturb me from that ultimate state of bliss and happiness. So it's spiritual life in no way speaks of eradication of suffering. The world is like the bed. It has to, we all have to go through this life with all these so-called, uh, these vexations, all this flow in the form of joy and suffering. Sometimes we do have some moments of happiness and suffering it has to be. We cannot stop that. That as I will go, no, no one can do that. Many resort to religion for that, that by believing in such and such form of divinity, my suffering will be gone. Is there anyone who is living eternally because of the belief of a certain type of a certain form of divinity? These are all, we just fool ourselves. We are extremely vulnerable because of our fear for the suffering. The entire humanity is so vulnerable that there are easily fool us with all those professions, with all with the, with the prophets to uh, wash away all our suffering. The suffering can never go that way. The, day, the, the decay, the disease and death is the basic thing in life. No one can avoid that. However, we may resort to various type of beliefs. We may just say that by uh, going to such and such type of divine personality, I can get, maybe for the time being, something has been averted. But no, that's the basic principle of life. The life means it is a flow. So that way we can never avoid the suffering. We can change our, just today, someone was asking me a very, a very interesting question, that what is the difference between Satyanara and Puja and the Satsang? So it was like first puzzled by that question, what that how to answer. And then I told this Satyanara and Puja is actually what, where this God is the means, world is the end. That I, I fear that so many mishaps may happen in my life. So again, and I, I resort to that type of worship thinking, my mishaps will be averted. And what is satsang? That I resort to, in all the satsang, that doing puja to get rid of suffering, that 
life with all its suffering may be there by my faith in the divine i transcend them i transcend them that they don't in in, in way touch me previously i was in the stream being drenched by the stream now i am sitting in the shore just seeing the flow the satsang means that where god is the means god is the end world is not the end the so called all those pujas other pujas you will find actually world is the end the god is just the means that god can somehow help me to get rid of the suffering so that doesn't mean that all the sufferings will vanish the sufferings are there but i am not affected by them they i know that they belong to the body mind complex not to me it can never touch me as very nice stories of socrates when it was decided that he has to die by drinking the poison now his disciples they asked him that how you wish to be that your body uh, uh, whether it's it's be cremated or it should be buried what and socrates answer was whatever you wish you do and then when he find that the, the his disciples were insisting that please do a specific thing uh, that what we are going to do with it and then he told that you do with the body whatever you wish because by in a no way you are going to catch the real me it is just the body whatever you wish the real me is not the body so in no way you can catch the real me so the, the no state by its uh, capital punishment can touch the real me no church by its so called punishments can catch the real me it is beyond so this body whatever you wish you do with it is there of the body i have transcended that and that made me fearless because i am pure so this is a spiritual courage only used to say that uh, many of the westerners say that indians are timid they don't have courage and swamiji told we do have the indians also do have courage it's a different type of courage you think that standing in front of the what you say that in the of the carriage in the war in the, in when the war field when the war is going on that standing in front of the gun that's the that's courage but the, to be established in the self is a different type of courage whatever may happen to the body i no one can carry away my conviction and that speaks of the samya the equanimity and that's the equanimity which has been spoken you just transcend them the word transcend should be understood in its proper sense it doesn't means to get rid they are there but they in no way affect me i am above them so when i get established in the self that's the utility the highest utility which has been spoken, the upanishad is again and again like the benevolent mother is trying to motivate us just the way the mother tries to motivate the child in various ways sometimes by scolding sometimes by luring sometimes by saying soft words she doesn't know what will work in various ways upanishad is like the mother in various ways it is trying to motivate us to resort bliss ultimate joy or eternity so the knower of brahman is described in the next mantra the fourth this is a very important mantra that's been described in the fourth mantra of the first chapter of the third part of mundaka upanishad so let us read the mantra prana hi esha sarva bhudvan bhavate na ativadi atmakrida atmarati kriravan esha brahmavidam varishtha prano hi esha sarva bhutai vibhati so prana the vital force which we equate with life that life means prana so he is the ultimate prana the one he is the ultimate vital force which shines divergently through all beings it is he who is shining through all the beings and finding expression as a prana as a vitality in all the beings the the one who is verily the vital force who shines divergently through all the beings vijanan vidwan bhavate na ativadi the one who knows this this line is very important 
the one who knows this, the one who attains realization, the Vidwan, again, the word Vidwan doesn't mean to know intellectually, the one who realized that his speech never transcends his realization. This is a sentence we have to understand. It has, uh, in various ways, it has been interpreted. We will go to the interpretation gradually. That The word Ativada, what it means. That sometimes, most of the times, we, as Sri Ramakrishna used to say that the children were quarreling in a joint family, in the old and extended family, the children were quarreling and the elders saw that when they're quarreling, they're using the word God's promise. If someone told you're speaking the lie, the other child told, no, God's promise, I'm saying, I haven't spoken the lie. I've told the truth. And the seniors, they get a bit uh, uh, piquid, they get surprised from where they learn this word God's promise. Sometimes they don't realize that when they, they might have used the word God's promise. And from them, these children also have learned the word, learned the word God's promise. Ishwari Dibbi, Sri Ramakrishna is saying. That the father uses the word Ishwari Dibbi, the child uses the word Ishwari Dibbi, but none of them knows Ishwara. So you are speaking something which is beyond your realization. In the, promising the name of God, but what's God? I don't know. In his name, I'm promising. So that's which transcends our realization. There are so many, there's jokes that on Sunday, the father says to the child that, you should, uh, that we have to go to the church. Why? Because God has invited us. There's, there's God's invitation on Sundays in the church. And the child asks, how do you feel uh, when someone is invited in and you go there and you find the host is not there? Because the child doesn't see God. He says that God has invited the father, tries to convince the child by slowly went to the church and was searching where is God and he doesn't see his God. And so that's why he asked, how do you feel when uh, you're invited and you go to the place where you have been invited and you find the host himself is not there. So this speaks of Ativada, that we are using some words which we haven't realized. So but one who has realized, the real Vidwan, he's not a single word transcends his realization, Ativada. This is the word we go to the uh, this meaning of this mantra. So the one who has went to the realization doesn't speak something which transcends realization. And how I will find that he is a man of realization? These are the signs which is visible through him, that he sports in the self, his Atma Krira. He delights in the self, Atma Rati. And his Kriravan, his life, through his life, we will find his Kriravan like an adept player, expert player, where the game has become spontaneous. He doesn't have to really uh, exert himself. Like an adept dancer, the dancer's hand has become spontaneous. Is that he's an adept player. The spiritual life has become something spontaneous, habitual for him. So he's a Kriravan. So these are the things which finds expression through the one who has realized the self. He becomes Atma Krira, Atma Rati, and Kriravan. So no, the one in whom you find this, that he's, of course, he, he should be Na Ativadi. He should that speaks, he has realized something. And, and as a result, whatever he speaks is within that realization. It can never transcend that. And he always sports in the self, Atma Krira. He delights in the self, Atma Rati. Now we say, what's the difference? Very interesting. Krira in Sanskrit, if you unless you know the exact meaning of the words, sometimes it becomes confusing. You feel means when you are enjoying. Krira is also enjoyment, rati is also enjoyment. But krira is what's what type of enjoyment? When I am enjoying with others, like when I am playing. There are so many others with whom I am playing. So you need some others as your game partner to with whom you are playing. That is Krira. Krira is a game where other players are also there. Atmarati. There's no player. You are enjoying, uh, what you say, just by being engrossed within yourself. Rati means where you yourself are enjoying. That's Rati. So that's the difference between Krira and Rati. So now you will find what you say, that Atma Krira, when you see the self in all, when you have 
a man of realization when he interacts with the world he sees the self in all so he's not actually dealing with the other person he's dealing with the self so that's why he becomes atma kriya when he's not interacting with the world he's engrossed within himself he's always immersed in self there's no distraction for him he becomes atmarati and this he do- doesn't do with what you say that with a conscious attempt i have not went to that realization what i will try to see the self in others it's not that i really see and when i am alone with myself i will try to be immersed in self though it is not the case my mind of distraction but for a man of realization he has become kridavan has become adept when he is with the world he sees the self in them and deals them with them as a self and when he is with himself he immediately merges within the self so when you see such a person know it for certain that he is varishtha that's the brahma vidam varishtha so this uh, mantra needs a bit more elaboration especially with the word ativad that what that if once you become uh, you be uh, you, you are transcend this ativad you become na ativadi your words never transcend your realization what actually it means when it happens then naturally the other things are bound to follow atma kriya kravan atmarati this three aspects are bound to follow and that will prove that you are the chief among the knowers of brahman that the knowledge of brahman is just not mere some intellectual conviction or some belief it has went to the realization and once it has gone to the realization it has transformed your life naturally there is no a total personality becomes overhauled you become atma kriya you become atmarati you become kriyavan so what these terms actually means it needs a bit more discussion we will continue with this uh, sloka special purport again in the next class with this we stop our discussion today thank you all namaskars